0: Hello everyone, and we hope you're having a wonderful start to your week. For today's episode, we had the absolute pleasure of sitting down with Jonas Eford, and he just gave us so much wisdom. We sat there for most of the episode in awe, just absorbing all of the information that he was giving us. So we highly suggest taking out your notepads and taking some notes through today's episode. Jonas is a chiropractor who built his own company called Recharge Wellness. The goal behind Recharge Wellness is to meaningfully elevate the well-being of everyone that we can reach by bridging the gap between compassionate healthcare service and hardworking Canadians. So we will let Jonas explain Recharge Wellness throughout this interview, and we hope you enjoy. Be sure to screenshot and share if you enjoyed today's episode. Yeah, let us know what you learned. We would love to hear from you. So here is episode 14, recharge your life and business. Just one last thing before we hop into the episode, we wanted to let you know about our favorite healthy spot to eat at, Cali Love. We've been enjoying smoothie bowls, salads, coffee, you name it. If you're looking for food that is both healthy and easy to bring on the go, you should definitely check out Cali Love. It is perfect for our lifestyles. We're very busy, but also want to make sure we're eating healthy food. So Cali Love is the place to go. Hey friends, welcome to the team. I'm Sarah marketing professional, bar fitness instructor, and dancer. And I'm Kira, a professional in the wellness industry, dancer, and lover of all things fitness and well-being. We're your hosts of the Team Wellness TO Podcast. Together, we've created this podcast to be your one-stop shop for all information about the entrepreneurs that work to build a healthier Toronto every day. Our goal is to form the largest team of healthy, happy, and thriving individuals in Toronto. We aim to provide the information you need to start or further your holistic wellness journey. Let's get this conversation started.
1: Welcome to the show, Jonas. Uh, to jump into things, can you share maybe the Spark Notes version of your story?
2: would be happy to. Thanks for having me here. Thanks You're for the welcome.
0: tea. Yes. <laughs>
2: Spark Notes of my story. I graduated as a chiropractor with more passion than sense, and I quickly discovered that it's very difficult to make a living and build a business, um, especially as a solo entrepreneur in a city that you're not from. And uh, those frustrations turned into first sadness and depression, and then after that uh, into action, and I learned how to build a business slowly and incrementally. I explored a variety of creative ways to apply business because I was so impatient. And eventually, um, one of them stuck. I think the, the one that showed the most promise, I, I fed into that and built the business that I currently run um, out of being opportunistic.
1: That's really cool. Yeah. That's very well said. Yeah, really. Where are you Where are you from? That's you said you're not story. from Toronto. Uh, oh, it's a longer story.
2: I was born in a small town in, in Alberta called Pincher Creek. Okay. I grew up in Papua New Guinea, and then I lived in Ottawa, and then Calgary for my undergrad, and then came here for professional school. Oh, wow. So in, in 2008, I moved to draw.
1: And been here ever since? Yeah, I graduated, wow.
2: and I loved it, and so I stayed.
1: Awesome. Wow. Well, been all over the place. Yeah, that's, really.
0: That's a really cool. experience. great. It's an interesting upbringing. Um, so what does a typical day look like for you?
2: No such thing. <laughs> uh, there, there's a little bit of um, consistency in my week not in my day but mm-hmm. um, I work clinically two days a week because I love working with patients I'll never give that up mm-hmm. um, the rest of the week I spend meeting pitching and managing so I have phone meetings in person meetings um, launches and I have pretty highly structured time I do um intervals uh something called the pomodoro method i'm not sure if you're familiar with it's just no. brilliant to explore at some point um so i contain the work that i do in specific themes into specific work sessions i call them oh um, so i prioritize my health and my well-being so i always will sleep in I, I get a late start to the day i sleep minimum eight and a half hours a day and uh, pretty consistently take my time with my coffee, enjoy it with my wife. We're newlyweds, so Uh it's it's nice setting up our home to be all cozy. It's cute. And uh, then I get to work, and if I'm treating patients, I'll treat patients all day. And uh, if I'm doing those other things, I do that in whatever arrangement they come in.
0: Okay. So as opposed to doing multiple things a day, you section it off each day as kind of a different theme. So if you're treating patients, you're not mixing it with your other as it were that's a good way to do it that's yeah. kind
1: of it seems similar to um a book that one of our other guests mentioned um I think I mentioned it on another one it's called the one thing so it's like have you heard of this book the one thing by Gary Keller
2: I've heard of it, I heard of it. yeah
1: it, it seems kind of similar to that like almost like really being like narrowly narrowly focused mm-hmm. um on like that the one thing so it's like what. Am I going to do right now that's going to help me accomplish like this and this and this? So it sounds like you've sort of accomplished that. So that seems cool.
2: I love that concept Yeah, so much. And I, I have to say I've actively worked towards identifying what that is. I believe it's whatever produces the highest value. And the tricky part is not identifying that. It's, it's letting go of everything else. To mm. me, the challenge was finding how to outsource it. I see. Which... What I figured out the best way to do that is is to distill the role or the accomplishment, that the thing you need done, make it really clear, and then give it to somebody.
1: Mm-hmm. Packaging
2: it out and um, outsourcing is really effective, but you have to be very clear on exactly what has to be done and expectations to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. But once you do that, you can focus more and more on what you do best. For me, that's treating patients, but also talking with... Uh, leadership of companies to sell them on their company service.
1: Awesome. Yeah, it seems like you're very self-aware. So that's that's a really good quality to have. So, of course, you've mentioned your business. So we want to talk about that for a little bit. Um, so being the founder of Recharge Wellness, can you tell us a little bit more about the company?
2: Yeah, I'll tell you about its current state. It's um, a company we do on-site clinics for companies that want to treat their employees really well. We bring in chiropractic, physio and massage and a bunch of other things, but we do a very unique variety of it. So we're bringing these services on site to treat staff and we run it through insurance. So staff doesn't pay, company doesn't pay, everybody loves it. We have a very sort of unique proprietary approach to treating people. It's um, a combination of different therapies that we put together that I've trained each practitioner to do. And it's bottom line is we make people feel awesome. People have strain physically and mentally in their day at work, in their Mm -hmm. week at work, in their month at work. And very seldom do they give themselves enough time to address that, Mm -hmm. the self-care required to bring them back to a baseline. So we're helping to bridge that gap, I believe, by bringing these services and making them really great into the office and making it free, easy to use. Mm -hmm. Love it.
0: Yeah, sounds very useful. (laughs) I'd love to receive that service. Um, So one of your main services is your recharge wellness stations. So can you tell us a bit more about those and how they work?
2: Sure, yeah. Um, Any company that takes us on just gives us a little space to use. In some companies, they give us a permanent wellness space that they have. Um, In other cases where they're tight on space, they just allow us to use a meeting room where we do what's called a pop-up station. Um, it's basically a cabinet it's like a little circus car where mm-hmm. you know on the day of the week that the practitioner comes in everything is unpacked unfolded and it pops up and oh. the windows are covered and it's all signs are up and tables are out and music is playing everything is there and then it goes back to being a meeting room after that's the pop-up but otherwise uh, in a, about half of our places we have a room that we equip to be a really nice wellness space that people can use when we're not there just to hang out meditate breastfeed, whatever they need. Um, and then when we are there, practitioner practitioners seeing the, the staff.
1: Wow, well, love yeah. it. So it's like the the whole station and people um, can come and feel better and recharge. So That's right. perfect That's name right. for it. Love it. So let's talk a little bit more about corporate wellness. How did you first get interested in it? And why do you think it's so important?
2: Good question. I wanted always to figure out what's the best way to make an impact on people's lives and i first was led to become a chiropractor through that desire i can put my hands on people and make them feel better and help resolve some of their problems
1: mm-hmm.
2: that's a great way it's tangible it's physical it's measurable it's it's intimate there's a lot of personality to that relationship and that therapy but it's not scalable you treat one person at a time and you can only see so many people in
1: mm-hmm. yeah
2: so my burning desire to try and make more of an impact led me to take a greater interest in how to impact groups of people, how I can influence the state of being of a whole group of people at the same time. And I realized society is is fundamentally organized through corporate groups. We spend the most time out of anywhere in our lives at our workplaces Mm -hmm. and we're paid through our employers, our benefits are through our, uh, our, our employers. And so that's how we can influence groups of people is through the way that they experience their time being employed Mm -hmm. at their office, in their office, during their time of employment. So that led me to try to figure out corporate wellness. Um, We're a little bit behind the states in general, just because the states, the way the healthcare system works is more financial incentive for companies to be sponsoring wealth, uh, wellness and health Mm -hmm. initiatives. And, um, so that's actually an opportunity for us Canadians. We get to see what all this great research and experimentation and, and progression has led to and we get to borrow the bits that, that work well. So I took a lot of courses after I graduated as a chiropractor. I dabbled and I took mentors on and I learned about corporate wellness. I tried to start a business as a corporate wellness um, strategy consultant and I got a few contracts here and there, not enough to really sustain a, a good business or a good living, but It gave me some fun um, experiences to draw on, but really uh, it tipped me off as to the fact that you can have a good impact on people's lives by um, helping their employers support them being happy and healthy. I like to truly uh, believe that the employers have a genuine interest in the well-being of their employees, generally speaking. It's most often the case deep down Mm -hmm. sometimes more obvious than others but yeah um i like to leverage that and just help them do a better job of taking care of their people
1: yeah very smart yeah Yeah, no it makes it makes total total sense um to get into that and i think obviously it's i think a trend and it's a growing space
0: um in canada as you mentioned so it's very important work that you're doing Mm -hmm. and something that we find interesting uh, is that you don't currently do any traditional marketing Um, So can you tell us the philosophy behind that and how you get your clients?
2: Sure. Um, At first, it was a budget thing. Uh, In the years past, I just didn't have money to market, so I didn't. But um, in in recent years, where very well could have a, a healthy marketing budget. It's now a decision on principle because I've learned that people either actively care to improve the lives of their employees or they don't. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to persuade the people who don't to start caring. And so I decided not to stop trying out of feeling like I failed, but rather it's not worth my time Mm -hmm. because fighting uphill to try and help people in a place where they're not supporting each other is not a battle I want to be a part of. Um, I Uh want to, so so maybe people can accuse me of being a bit defeatist there, but I, I don't think so. I think it's just being smart, going to where people are actively looking to improve the lives of their people which mostly these days tends to be tech companies. Mm-hmm,
0: so yeah, yeah. <laughs> most of my clients,
2: maybe 80% of them or so, are, are tech companies, startups, later stage startups, that they just do it right. They mm-hmm. put their money where their mouth is, and they, they actually care, and they're just looking for better ways to do it. And so that's one reason why mm-hmm. I don't do marketing is because I realized um, the people who care, it's not hard to find them.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
2: they stand out.
0: They'll almost seek you out, And too. they'll
2: seek me out, exactly. Yeah. So a lot of my business... Uh, in fact, the vast majority of it has come word of mouth. I don't go around pitching to people so much as um, people who know about me or have left their company to another good company, tell their HR manager to get in touch. And that's basically how our company has spread. We've also had um, worked with a number of good companies that have either grown or just have lots of offices around the country. So. A handful that we started off in Toronto, and then they said, Hey, Jonas, that was great what you did there. Can you do our other eight offices around the country? I said, Okay, of course. No. Yeah, um, no so problem. That's <laughs> happened three times as well. So we've spread that way, and I feel like the momentum is just continuing to build. And yeah, uh, I'd like to invest in having some sort of presence, but I don't think I'll ever really do any active marketing because our target demographic is also quite niche. So mm. if I'm going out and putting billboards up and doing lots of Google Ads, spend it's not gonna be that fruitful because I could tell you out of 100,000 people, there's only two that would be actually relevant for me to talk to. Mm-hmm.
0: Makes sense? Yeah. yeah, no, it makes total sense. And it, I'm not a
2: public-facing company.
0: Yeah, you're not trying to sell people who, if you were to, say, get their business, they might not actually take what you're giving them to heart or actually implement it, um, and it would kind of be, like you said, just a waste of time, um, and they kind of have to come to you. So it's hard to convince someone to better their well-being. It kind of has to be learned. They have to learn it somehow. And I have
2: done that. I've wasted a lot of time and resources. And fortunately, most of it was my time, not my contractors. Mm I learned my Mm lesson so that I could prevent that from now the people that we have going into offices. Mm. It's
0: amazing. Good lesson to learn.
1: And it sounds like, of course, what's so important um, that you obviously emulate in your business is the relationship building aspect. So keeping the relationship, like once you go in the first time and then building on that relationship, um, obviously, if they have a positive experience, then that word of mouth will happen naturally. So um, kind of marketing in itself without having to do it. So Mm -hmm. really, really cool perspective. So we want to know what you believe are the pros and cons of owning your own business. There's many.
2: Um, I think you can... Take a step further back and and look from a higher perspective and consider one's character. I think that um, if you reflect on who you are, what you care about, how you operate, what your what your characteristics are, some people um, endure the challenges of entrepreneurship much more gracefully than others. Mm. Um, some thrive with the challenges, the disappointments, the setbacks, and some crumble. And so, being honest with yourself about what types of endeavors you appreciate some people really value the stability that being employed gives them the safety Mm -hmm. the the idea that someone's gonna take care of you someone's gonna take care of your benefits and your cpp and all those things for you you just need to do a good job and that's Mm -hmm. it that's really comforting for a lot of people and it, it pains me sometimes to see People that are in denial, where they're so excited about an idea, which is just nice, and and we're in this time of history where we're also supportive of entrepreneurship. That sometimes there's not enough critical friends that are like, "Hey, pause, slow down, okay. rethink." Mm-hmm. Um, well, it's also been an unpleasant thing to to be mm-hmm. to be the, the devil's advocate, but yeah, um, that's that's what I would say is first consider your character and then consider the pros and cons, because the pros and cons are relative to your character.
1: (laughs) I don't think... (laughs) Never thought of it that way. Yeah, I don't think I've heard someone say it quite like that, but it's... I mean, it's a fact and it's true, like, because... um, Yeah, like, personally, I'm someone who really... I like stability and routine, so since I no longer work, like, a normal, stable, routine corporate job, it's been an adjustment, like, in terms of who I am as a person, like, trying to figure it out so it's it's definitely something that makes a lot of sense so yeah thank you for sharing that Mm -hmm. as your other so that what is that is would that be a con or a pro like that's just like words of wisdom
2: yeah i suppose um i could try to give more practical pros and cons the pros are the flexibility um also the the lack of restraint I feel and any entrepreneur would tell you they feel like you can accomplish so much. There's no, there's no glass ceiling, there's no mm. I mean, there are it's just in different forms, but it's it's only yourself that can hold you back.
1: Mm-hmm. And that
2: sounds that's it's exciting. Cool. Yeah. It's it's cool. So you can reach higher, you can be more ambitious, you're won't be suffocated by other people's expectations or pettiness. Right. So that's a definitely a pro. And the flexibility for those who value it is is definitely a pro. Um, the cons are certainly the uncertainty yeah, and the unpredictability, the consistency of the setbacks. We're all going to be emotionally involved in the outcomes of what we invest our, our time and energy mm-hmm. into. And so challenging your resilience, that's a con. I mean, it, unless you have an abundance of it, which entrepreneurs either have or develop. Yeah. Um, because you can't endure the consistent disappointment that is inevitable in any journey that's so sort of up and down Uh and so sharp in both directions without that. So resiliency, the um, other con is, I guess, that sometimes you don't get the support and guidance you would compared to being plugged into a community.
0: Okay. For -hmm. example,
2: if I were to go work as a consultant at Deloitte, I would have a formal coach, a work coach who's paid. Their paid time is to sit there and improve me. Right. I have dozens if not more people to draw on to answer questions for me, to ask, to support me, to help me. I have a huge network and abundance of people that are at my disposal, that are the support networks of the company, their resources. Mm-hmm. Um, so all that is is lacking. You sort of have to bootstrap and makeshift and... and mm-hmm. F- figure out your support systems for yourself. When so that's another con, I suppose. Maybe I'll I stop like there.
1: like that yeah, Maybe yeah. I'll stop there. No, it's good. Yeah. It sounds like overall, obviously, it's worth it because you can you can go kind of as high as you want to push yourself. So, yeah. but obviously, there's going to be challenges along the way.
0: Yeah, you have a lot of unique perspectives. I really appreciate them. Yeah, <laughs> it's very cool. I feel like I've never heard someone explain things at the way you're explaining them right now. So I really like it. Um, mm-hmm. That's good. So now we will move on to some advice. So what advice would you give yourself five years ago?
2: It's quite a bit. <laughs> I, I have such a, a sharp learning curve. I don't know what that says about me, but I'm still every single day learning so much. In fact, I constantly at all times have a notebook on me okay. and a pen because mm-hmm. I just, every day there's so much that goes on that I can learn from. And the more you pay attention to of your experiences, the more you can benefit from. So feel like this is quite a bit. And I do like that question. I would, I would, I would encourage myself to be uh, less tolerant of small mindedness. I think when we start off as entrepreneurs, we, we have to bootstrap everything. And the way that we condition our minds to think when we're bootstrapping is is small is the least amount of resistance, the quickest the mvp a minimal viable product the quickest thing to market the slickest thing to say to get a sale and so we tolerate a lot of abuse abuse in an unconventional way abuse mm-hmm. in the sense of we tolerate um working with people who are not worth working with mm-hmm. they are uh, unreliable dishonest or, or just underperformers and because we feel like we we'll just take what we can get sometimes we let ourselves do that mm-hmm. we'll work with clients who we shouldn't collaborate with collaborators that are underperforming and we tolerate it, I would encourage myself to be a little more bold um, and summon the confidence that is in there to apply it to being more principled, even though it's very difficult when you don't have the money, the resources, the the, the proof to validate that type of principled approach sometimes. It's worth straining yourself a bit to do that.
1: Well, love it. Sweet. I feel like we're like speechless. We're I know. Here, we're just it? like,
0: yes, we're like nodding our heads. Yes. yes, yes, I mean, yes it's yes.
1: basically, it sounds like you're saying like, know your worth, right? Yeah. So it's like, know your worth and that you're capable of so much more than maybe you, you might think when you're first starting and that you don't have to put up with certain
0: things. With yeah.
2: people, whether it's you or others trying to misuse it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, very powerful.
0: And then that can also, like, tarnish your name as well. If someone else isn't, they're a reflection of you if you're working with them. So knowing those boundaries, it's, yeah, really good advice. That's
1: critical early on. Yeah. Yeah. So to get more advice um, from you, we'd love to know what you have to say to people who are looking to become an entrepreneur or, yeah, starting a business similar to yourself.
2: I love design thinking. Familiar with it?
0: Design thinking? Mm Mm-hmm. think so So (laughs) we're ready my
2: understanding of design thinking is uh, that it it came out of um, product design which is where people engineers predominantly design products Mm -hmm. famous examples would be like a computer mouse or Mm -hmm. a keyboard or a fireplace but functional things that we use a bicycle these are people design these products and they consider a lot of different things and they Um, So the approach is is developed as a discipline, a profession, a a niche over the years to be quite advanced in their approach to producing things, testing them, and then bringing them to market. Design thinking is those same principles and approaches applied to the way we think. And the, the famous group of people that are sort of the biggest proponents of the principles of design thinking come out of Stanford. There's a Stanford design school or d-school that okay. they have sort of the, written the fundamental text mm-hmm. and elaborating on what design thinking is and taught it. And it's influenced different professions and realms over the last decade or so. And I love it simply because it's applying a very good scientific methodology to our thought process.
0: I was going to say, it, it sounds like scientific method. That's, yeah. <laughs> that's really it. Yeah,
2: And it's, so it's giving us a framework to take concept to reality in a very... Reliable and an effective way mm. because we often take our ideas and work on them and subject them to very spurious and very um, inconsistent regimens of critique and analysis. Oh, do you like this, mom? Oh, great, then the rest of the world's gonna like it. All right, sweet, go yeah. do it. And, and that's not rigorous, so it's not gonna be effective. You're lucky, really lucky, if you make it through without applying rigor to. Designing the original idea from a concept to a reality and then iterating. Because it's never going to be perfect the first time around. Whatever, Mm -hmm. even a service, product, whatever you're doing. And so I like design thinking. I'm not obsessed with it, but I like the principles behind it and applying some form of rigor. And that means asking an uncomfortable number of friends to give you feedback, not just the closest ones you know are going to give you validation. Right. That means asking customers for feedback when it's uncomfortable to do so, and then actually listening and changing and going back and and trying it again and doing all this heavy work up front to make sure that you have something strong. So what was your original question?
1: Um, What advice do you have for people looking to become an entrepreneur?
2: So that's that's my advice is um, take the guesswork out of it. Take the... the the passion and channel it don't postpone it or distill it but channel it in a in a in a really smart way by applying a methodology to your process Hmm. and it's not difficult to figure out how to do that you can ask people you can research it you can look up examples you can listen to other people talking about entrepreneurship in a similar way but um, if you do that you'll find out a lot about your thing that you didn't already know and so Pause your enthusiasm and just redirect it to being um, smart. Treat it like a business. Don't mm-hmm. treat it like a hobby. Mm-hmm. Treat it like a hobby, it'll be a hobby. If you treat it like a yeah. business, you might have a shot.
1: Mm-hmm. Wow, yeah. I feel like that's really resonating um, with uh, like with us, yeah. the two of us. We kind of we got so excited about this idea we had about two years ago. Yeah. Um, we started it, and then it's kind of like I feel like after a little bit we did that we channeled it and redirected it to um obviously be now this podcast and we're trying to treat the podcast as as like a business as you said um and it's sort of working a lot better so that makes mm-hmm. total sense yeah yeah,
0: yeah it, I guess I've just never heard that term design thinking um but yeah very similar scientific method or like uh I took a sales course at Mars and they tell you exactly that like Ask people, don't just because you're personally invested, you're emotionally invested in your own business, obviously, and you want it to work. Um, but that doesn't mean everyone else is, and everyone else is not going to be invested like you. So mm-hmm. you have to test it. So, yeah, I, I think yeah, I sometimes
1: you're scared of like the, the answers. Yes, well, you don't yeah. want negative feedback or anything, and you want everyone to love it, but yeah. obviously, the feedback is going to be what's going to make it better in the end. So you need it. It's so necessary. It's just sometimes, I don't know, it could be heart-wrenching or something. Yeah. You're like, no.
2: That's really brilliant what you just said. Yeah. If you reframe it, it can change the way you approach it. Because yeah. if you reframe your fear of negative um, feedback to mm. realize that the, the, the amount that you can improve your thing is proportionate to how much feedback you get about it especially Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. not necessarily negative but critical feedback yeah then you'll realize no that's not negative that's not telling me i'm on the wrong track that's just how i improve it and so reframing it helps you endure the emotional challenges of of going through that cycle because it has to be done nobody has the perfect solution when they first conceive of it, mm-hmm. yeah. nobody's podcast starts as a, as a, a you know, phenomenal production. <laughs> Definitely it, not. it evolves into one as, yeah. and I think to the extent that you put in the hard work to figure out what people's uptake is.
0: Yeah. Do okay. you read like a lot of psychology studies or anything like that? You just sat the way you're talking is very, um, psychological, yeah, you got a lot of I good know. words like yeah. reframe, <laughs> Rigor. What else? All
2: the good words.
0: You just read the dictionary. The dictionary. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So now we're going to move on to wellness questions. Um, So how do you take care of yourself on a daily basis or weekly basis or however you want to frame that?
2: Well, I think it's part of my job, my core job. If I feel great and I'm well-rested and I'm happy and well-fed, I'm going to perform my best. I learned that's important for me as a chiropractor, Mm -hmm. but I learned that's even more important as an entrepreneur. When Mm -hmm. I go in to have a discussion with the CEO of a big company, or if I have a prospecting phone call with anyone, or if I'm interviewing a potential new employee or contractor, these are situations where how present I am, how thoughtful I am, how sharp I'm feeling and, and coming across is crucially important. So it's no mysterious correlation. It's very direct. When I take the time to to relax, to eat well, to rest, to sleep well, and to take care of my mental and emotional well-being, that's directly investing in my business. I think it's hard to think of examples where that wouldn't be the case. Mm -hmm. Um, Even people with jobs that have very sort of quantitative functions, it still would be true for them. So I think... First of all, I prioritize it. I think it's it's really important, but obviously it's within moderation. So, um, I just figure out what's most important to me, and sleep is a big, big part of that. Mm-hmm. I just, I'm, unfortunately, I'm not one of those people who functions very well off little sleep. Mm-hmm. So, I prioritize getting a good amount of it, and it's not easy. It's not easy for me, just like it's not easy for anybody. It's for me, I, I am blessed with not having biological physiological challenges sleeping but still a lot of discipline issues getting to sleep one time you know so that has been where i focus my effort is i just have to frame it to myself Mm. that going to bed early is a direct investment in all the things that i value so there's that eating well that sort of that's just super important in general Mm. for (laughs) for all the reasons but you can tie it directly to energy it's. Uh, I think everybody, by the time they're in their twenties and thirties and on, they realize the correlation between what we're putting in our body and how we feel. So, forget longevity and overall, you know, well-being. Even if it's just energy day to day, you need to be smart about what you're consuming and how you're consuming it. Um, and then exercise and activity, oh, it's the best! It's the best adrenaline. Mm-hmm. It's the best energy production.
1: Yeah, it's uh, those it endorphins. It's yeah. endorphins. <laughs> and
2: I go a step further and put it to use in. Managing my time and my focus. So time and f- focus, that they're, they're limited uh, quantities. We, we, we have to channel it to be as optimal as possible. And that's back to this thing I mentioned earlier, the Pomodoro method is a simple approach where you just break up your time working on something into increments that were physiologically and mentally, psychologically uh, better equipped to handle. Mm. So 20 to 30 minute intense focus no distractions working on something and then a break oh, when yes, we don't I enforce it
1: yes, keep it's going brilliant. <laughs> when you don't enforce
2: yeah, the break yeah. we we are inclined to keep working because we're we're in in it we're, we're engaged in it right and what happens is we stop working once we're then mentally or physically exhausted mm-hmm. and the, the exhausted i use that term lightly like we don't feel exhausted but we're like okay now i need a break yeah you know, yeah two hours in you're And what happens is it takes way longer to replenish your psychological Mm. capacity for focus. And it takes a lot more to recover from the strain you just put on your back and your neck from sitting hunched over your computer. So dosing exercise into my breaks in between my work sessions is a really effective way I've found Mm. to be constantly at my peak performance.
1: Yes. So when you're working on like, so say it's like the 20 minutes you're working on, say like one client's like you're working on one thing, right? Like you don't just have like a million tabs open on your computer, that's a right? That's an
2: important feature is you have yeah. to, before you start working, you, you have to be extremely decide. clear on what yeah. has to be accomplished. Mm. And then the other part of it is, is if you've not accomplished it and your timer goes off, yeah. you still stop because I the see. breaks are, are important. Mm. Once you, it's a slippery slope if you let yeah. it slide, mm-hmm. but that's the key is, yeah. It's the one point.
1: thing I, I think I read or I heard on a podcast that a lot of people do work that way. Um, like where they have, they'll have all the tabs open and they'll like, okay, like email here. And then, you know, just a million tasks all in one. Um, so it's like completely different. And I was, um, I think they were saying that multi, a lot of us think that like, we are able to multitask, like super, super well. But I think it was like, it's kind of a similar concept that it takes us 15 seconds. Like every time we decide we're going to like, okay, we're, we're, gonna stop halfway through his email and then we're gonna go check something else then it takes us 15 seconds or maybe it's more but like every time we're switching in between so imagine how much that takes in a total day so it sounds like obviously you've learned a method that keeps you really productive so Mm -hmm. that's great it's
2: been well validated yeah thoroughly validated that that is the least effective way to work Mm -hmm. it takes upfront organization to better plan the way you use your mental capacity on your work throughout the day, and then discipline, which is why the vast majority of us don't do it. We default into this scattered way of trying to frantically do what's best, and it just simply doesn't work. So Mm -hmm. there are better ways. This just happens to be the way I've applied that bit of shifted understanding, and I'm passionate about it because it's brilliant. It works.
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah, that all sounds so amazing. How do you keep going? How do you stay motivated?
2: I think it gets more and more exciting
0: mm-hmm. as
2: things go on. Um, there's more people in the fold. There's more lives being influenced, being impacted. Mm-hmm. A big part of my drive was when I first started this uh, company, it was it was just me, of course. And um, I was just a chiropractor and I was going into offices and trying to just do that and Um, I figured it out after a couple years of figuring out how to give a great service and then frame it and package it and get into companies. And it ended up being really wonderful where I would show up at these offices. I'd be fully booked every Mm -hmm. single place I went. So I would only go for the times I was booked. I'd be fully booked. I'd show up. I'd unfold the little table. Um, People were so grateful. And a lot of them wouldn't be getting such treatments if I hadn't been shown up so they were grateful I was making more money because I wasn't paying rent I wasn't paying uh, percentage to insurance companies or to a clinic Mm -hmm. owner and so I had very short work days and short work week and high quality of life and I was making more than I would had I been working at any type of clinic right for those reasons and so it was amazing for me and a lot of my friends were miserable Not just chiropractors, all just healthcare practitioners. It's it's a tough go in Toronto. Yeah. Um, It's a tough go in any city. And if you don't have good business sense, it's a tough go wherever you are. Um, So a lot of my friends were really struggling. And I had this great thing going. And I realized, well, that's kind of a pretty cool opportunity, not just for the people in the company, but also for the providers, for the chiropractors, the physios, the massage therapists. When if I can gift them this amazing, thing opportunity to do practicing the way i'm doing it then i could be gifting them this wonderful lifestyle advantage as well which is basically maximizing your time and maximizing your profit in the minimal amount of time right so lots of free time more money it just makes sense right Mm -hmm. um so in my model i could do that so as i started to get a little more business and outgrow my own capacity i started to bring more people in Mm -hmm. now we're at 18 people and 37 locations and counting but um it's a privilege to be able to share that with all these wonderful people on our team that they all appreciate it. They all love it. And so I'm just supporting them doing the best job they can. But that's one thing that really keeps me going is to be able to continuously provide this wonderful opportunity for our providers, for Mm -hmm. our recharge healthcare providers that they can have an amazing quality of life so that they can go home and be with their kids and make more money and Build their own practices. Mm. A lot of them have their own practices on the side. So that's a big part of it. And then the work that we do with patients is constantly feeding into our sense of how rewarding it is. Constantly, all day, every day. All our practitioners, people are telling us, Oh, my migraine stopped. I've had migraines for 13 years. Oh
1: my God. And then I've seen
2: you three times and it's gone. Like things like that. That's that's a daily occurrence. People telling us, Wow. I didn't have no idea. You know, you helped me so much with my, my sleep. I'm, you know, whatever their, their personal journey is, mm-hmm. yeah. they're grateful and they're improving Yeah, um, because, well, we just show up and do a decent job. And so that's the other part of it.
1: Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. That yeah. would, I think that would motivate anyone. You're truly making an impact and helping people. Yeah, so. And you get
0: to see it firsthand too. Yeah. That's amazing.
1: So our last real question for you, Um, a question that we ask all of our guests is, what does wellness mean to you?
2: Balance. I think balance and moderation are scarce and uncommon, and moderation isn't sexy. We're sold messages of extremes in so many ways that we're always pursuing some form of more, and the more we chase the more out of balance we get and i think it's um an uncommon voice of wisdom that we should foster inside ourselves to nurture a sense of balance in our lives Mm -hmm. and that means balance in all the realms socially spiritually emotionally Mm -hmm. physically and to me that's wellness i feel yeah that if we can pursue continually build robust ways to maintain balance in our lives that's successfully implemented wellness
1: very very strong answer moderation isn't sexy I yeah love that. that was a good one <laughs> maybe that's going to be your quote no <laughs> um okay so we're going to do some fun rapid fire questions Uh-oh. ready <laughs> <laughs> <It's> <laughs> Ever... dangerous. so what is your favorite sport
2: soccer
0: your favorite drink
1: coffee favorite snack mangoes
0: Oh, I love mangoes um, your favorite day of the week
2: Wednesdays Thursdays
0: I love Tuesdays. Thursdays Fridays wow. oh I, love, I love every day oh
1: that's so funny um,
2: every day
0: the... every day but the weekend <laughs> yeah, so,
1: yeah. <laughs> the best place you've ever traveled to
2: Say this fjord of Iceland where I got the swimmer
0: oh you cool. I want to go to Iceland. We responded at the same time. <laughs> Classic. Um, okay. And now we also do a would you rather question. So would you rather never be able to go to a family doctor or a dentist ever again?
2: Family doctor.
0: I was just saying. Because he can go to the hospital, right? Is that your thinking? No. No. <laughs> that was mine. <laughs>
2: no, I think maybe it's immodest of me to say so, but I, I think I would be able to adequately triage myself into the specialties that would be able to address whatever specific uh, issue I had.
1: Mm. Makes sense. He doesn't need that referral. Can <laughs> 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 uh, yes, yes, got it. Um, so before we wrap up, we would love just if you could share where people can find you and connect with you um, online.
2: Well, I'm a bit of a hermit. So I live in a top a mountain in a small cave that people can hike up to. It takes 17-bit now. Um, <laughs> I'm like, where are, where you, are you going? Wait, <laughs> <Like>, what? <laughs> I, I'm actually not... not uh, very active online, so I don't have much of a presence mm-hmm. deliberately. Cool. Um, but people are welcome to find me where I am, which is LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. I try to to be available there. And Jonas Axford, Recharge yeah. Wellness, both both up on there. Cool. Um, I think I'm floating around somewhere on Facebook, but I'm entirely <laughs> absent on Instagram and Twitter. So cool.
1: Okay. Well, cool. we can link your link yeah LinkedIn link if, if, if um that's, well, maybe if anybody has any questions or anything like that after.
0: Yeah, and do you have any last words of wisdom to leave with the audience? You've left a lot already. I haven't (laughs) had
2: any words of real wisdom so far. Maybe, no. No, no, I don't. But I would like to um, interview you two for your own podcast.
0: Right Right now? now? (laughs) (laughs) Wait, are you being serious? Right now? Okay, Okay. sure. We're ready. Yeah, we're ready. Go for it.
2: So what flip the switch from this being a passion project hobby to a business?
0: Um, So we always want to do a lot of things and we always want to help people and create a community. So at first it started off as um, some people may know who are listening called Amazed and Confused. It was a community to connect people that were feeling both amazed and confused at all the opportunities that were out there because that's kind of how we were feeling post-graduation we did some events, we wanted to create this community feel, and we felt it wasn't really sticking, um, and we didn't feel 100% passionate all in, it felt more of like a hobby, something that we were...
1: um, It was almost like,
0: like scattered, almost how we're talking about how we work, it was like we weren't,
1: it was too broad, we're trying to, like, we're like, everyone is in this community, which is great, like, we would love to connect with as many people as possible, but I think we've narrowed our focus Mm -hmm. um, to what we truly are passionate about. So now that we feel that passion, it's like hopefully we're connecting with others who feel the same, similar passion and that it's genuine connections. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Wellness, health and wellness has been a huge part of our lives for a long time. So, and we always tried to include that in Amazing Confused. And it was always like a little portion of it, but so big in our hearts. So that's why it turned into, um, this podcast because we had met so many amazing people and we're like we want everyone else to know about these people but to put them all in one spot um and take that holistic approach of well-being and let other people learn from what we're so passionate about mm-hmm. and um learn from the people out there in Toronto who are doing this work yeah
2: do you let your community evolve and grow organically
1: um, I think it's yeah pretty organic pretty like organic. this is how yeah. we've tried to do it um I mean, obviously we have really supportive friends. So our friends support and like will connect us with other people. And what's even been huge is actually our guests are just always so amazing. And then we kind of are able to tap in almost to their communities through all of this because mm-hmm. they, you know, want to share their wisdom. And it's just kind of it evolves organically through that as well as yeah. events. word of mouth. is a lot. Yeah, word of mouth. Yeah, exactly.
0: we have Instagram, but that's really there just for the people who follow us to check in like, Hey, this is when the next episode is like podcasts are online. It yeah. has to be promoted somewhere so someone can find the link. Um, but yeah, majority, and we've had a lot of people actually reach out to us, um, to be on the podcast. It's kind of organically happened like that. At first we were reaching out. Uh, well we always are. Yeah. Um, but it's just been really interesting to see how that has happened so quickly actually, because we started this in just in August of this year.
2: It's a th- this year. Mm-hmm. Good for you. A couple
0: that's, months. That's yeah. Right. We had some prep work obviously before yeah, that, opinion, but it yeah. wasn't launched until I think it was August. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And what specifically do you hope to see manifest with this project in the medium and distant future?
1: I would just love us to be like the audio platform for learning about wellness
0: entrepreneurs in the city. And just to also make a physical community as well. We love putting on events.
2: What, what kind of events would you host in the future?
0: I think one, so obviously
1: we, with podcasts, it's a guest sharing their wisdom for the most part. So I think a huge one as something that would be impactful is sort of panels where we have multiple guests, so features some of the previous guests or even new um, entrepreneurs or anyone to share wisdom. But just it's, it's an, in a live situation, right? Mm-hmm. So then our guests are right there. They have the opportunity to ask their questions and then sort of like a networking thing after.
0: Which we've already, we did one event. We've done that, yeah. Just like that. Yeah, so growing that into a larger scale. Yeah, the live podcast is one of our favorite Mm -hmm. ideas.
2: That's a brilliant idea. And have you found good collaborators to host these types of events?
0: Yeah, well, we had our event
1: in... What month are we even in? We're in November. (laughs) November. In October, we had our event um, at Well Beyond, which is a a naturopathic um, doctor's clinic, who is Erica, who was our previous guest. Mm -hmm. So that's been a great space. Um, I can imagine that there's so many great fitness studios and yoga studios and cafes and all of that in the city. So right now, we have a partnership with Cali Love, actually. So we'll be hosting an event there in January. So more details to come. But um, Yeah. Yeah.
2: Send me an email.
0: Yes, of course, you're a, yeah. invited.
1: You're a part of the team. We'll show up yeah. and
2: make noise in the back.
0: Yeah, <laughs> love it.
2: Well, thanks for the great questions and big conversation.
0: Thank you. Yeah, thank you. I love that you interviewed us. It's the first <laughs> time that's happened. Yeah, that's that's
1: so nice. Um, thank you so much. Um, we appreciate all of your wisdom and um, your knowledge, and you're definitely very inspiring. All, all right.
0: right. Yeah, thank you so much. My pleasure. And there it is. Today's episode with Jonas Eford. We learned so much today and we hope you did too. And you took lots of notes. So thank you for listening again and make sure to tag us on Instagram at Team Wellness TO so that we can see that you're listening and see what you like about the podcast. Any feedback is always welcome. And thank you so much to Kali Love for sponsoring today's episode. Have an amazing week, everyone.